what I really want to drive home for listeners is imagine taking your most painful moments of your life, your most traumatic moments of your life, and choosing to rewrite them where you're in control with the person you trust the most in a loving and pleasurable way. And I feel like that is ultimately what using kink to heal trauma is. We truly are sexual beings. The culture and society that we live in has bred this really deep-rooted shame around sexuality that has hindered us as humanity and really taken us away from our power. Why don't we remove the shame and start looking at how we can harness this energy for deeper connection and love? My favorite thing about kink is the power that it has to free us from crippling guilt and shame. The one thing that I'd love for listeners today to walk away from is a new outlook on how kink can be healing instead of scary and painful. It can be beautiful and opening and nurturing and welcoming. Welcome home to to the the Loving Loving Consciously Consciously Podcast. Podcast. My name is Amaris. And my name is Eric. And if you are like us, nobody Nobody taught taught you how to love. love. We are best friends and life partners here to vulnerably and authentically share our seven-year journey to unconditional love. Our mission is to help you learn how to love consciously in all of your relationships so we can journey together towards a more effective, intentional, and fulfilling way of giving and receiving love. Loving Loving Consciously. Consciously. Together, we have overcome neurodivergence, mental health, addiction, pregnancy loss, infidelity, and grief. After six years, the lack of knowledge on how to heal or love each other through these challenges led to our separation. After us both spiritually awakening and recommitting, we built our new conscious partnership founded on unconditional love and a commitment to personal growth. Thank you for joining us as we put it all out there to show you the duality of our love's pain and beauty. And remind you that you have both the capacity to love consciously and the power to always Always choose love. Namaste and welcome back to the Loving Consciously podcast. Today's episode is titled For the Love of Kink, and we could not be more excited to bring this conversation to the table. We have an amazing guest here with us today, Goddess Autumn, and we are going to talk about all things kink, spiritual kink, her journey, and really diving into using kink to expand love in your life, to heal trauma, and connect with your body, and all of these different things. Before we get started, we're all going to take a couple of really big deep breaths together, and we invite you to just close your eyes and join in three deep breaths with us. It's always great to be grounded and be present with our bodies, especially when we're having a conversation like this. Before we get started into the content, I would love to introduce our guest today and give her some space to introduce herself. Goddess Autumn is a kink practitioner, a spiritual woman who is artistic and erotic. She is a great friend of ours and is extremely well-versed in both the field of kink and spirituality and art and all of these things. Autumn, I would love it if you would tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I am a licensed massage therapist, a Reiki practitioner, and a professional dominatrix and artist. I work with people in various ways to connect with their spirituality, uncover false truths about themselves, overcome that with confidence, and help people on their journey into freeing guilt, shame. I really love how you said freeing them from guilt and shame and helping them uncover the truth of who they are. That's so beautiful. And you wear so many hats. Today, we're going to focus really heavily on the kink side of things. It's something that is a big part of our journey. It's obviously how we originally met you. And I really feel incredibly passionately about the truth that kink can be an incredible healing modality for some really deep-rooted trauma. 
And so before we get into that conversation, I think a great place to start is telling our listeners a little bit about what kink is, because I think most people have a Fifty Shades of Grey type image in their head, and it's not really mainstream outside of that. And so for those who aren't familiar, can you share from your perspective a little bit of what kink is? Absolutely. I think that when people that aren't familiar with kink get an idea of what that is, they think of like leather, whips, chains, pain and suffering and sex. And that can be involved, but it goes beyond that. I would define kink as anything that extends beyond the norm of sexuality, what like society perceives as a norm in sexuality. Mm-hmm. So that can look like many different things. It can be extra sensual and nurturing and energetic using role play, mind control and hypnosis. It can be ritualistic. It can be power exchange, any combination or number of those things. And it can extend as far as, you know, as anyone's creativity can take it. I love that. Yeah, it really is so vast. I feel like we could probably do several episodes on the plethora of options and something we just talked about in the episode we released last night about ethical non-monogamy was about how the options are infinite because we're the creators of our reality and so you get to choose your own flavor. You get to create what works for you. I would love to dig in and go deeper than this base kink question and ask you what is spiritual kink? Yeah, I would define spiritual kink as like indulging in one of those activities, but setting a strong intention behind it. And that could be for the purpose of connection with another, connection to yourself, seeking healing or change, tapping into your subconscious or altered states of consciousness and like seeking wisdom and healing and just bringing out that gold and using that to integrate into your life. That's a beautiful description and there's definitely something happening because I'm having a physical and energetic reaction of like excitement and wonder hearing you say all that. Spiritual kink is definitely our wheelhouse and so I love that description. Yeah, spiritual kink has played a massive role in our healing and something that you shared in your description of it is spiritual kink as a healing modality is really important. Most people, like we were talking about, only perceive kink from the mainstream media way that it is portrayed in that it's this debauchery and pain and suffering, when in reality, there's so much more to the layers that kink can offer in terms of healing, in terms of somatic release. And so I would love for you to share a little bit about your journey to kink and what you do in this field as a practitioner. My journey in kink has been so empowering and given me finding my life purpose. I believe that like being this spiritual kink practitioner is my true calling and the way that I am capable of helping people. My journey to kink started with a long list of really unhealthy, toxic relationships and situationships. You know, I began as a submissive. Being a submissive, I was kind of like allowing myself to be trapped in this cycle of pain in my psyche. And it's not something that was truly fulfilling for me. It was almost as if I was like punishing myself, you know? And it was in this journey through self-discovery and healing and therapy and uncovering my truths and uh, unhealthy patterns when kink appeared in my life in a new way. I had this incredible experience that was not sex, but it was sexual with this person that was very safe that was asking me to dominate them. And it was something that I had never done before. And it scared me and excited me at the same time. And um, so I bravely and courageously, you know, bought a new outfit, you know, thought of a persona and dove into this experience. I remember just driving in my car, like having trouble with words, you know, words have always been very hard for me, sending boundaries, being direct. And so this was challenging in a new way. When the experience came, I embodied it so easily, so effortlessly. It was, it felt amazing. And it was in that moment that I 
wanted to start the path of becoming a healer in this way. And as I experimented with this person and others, I became more empowered and it was a safe container for me to release a lot of anger from past trauma and abuse and mistreatment and, you know, really like disperse that from my body in a physical way and a safe way, you know, and that was truly empowering. That was incredibly vulnerable and so authentic and true to you. I feel like I just heard you share the birth of Goddess Autumn. So thank you for sharing that with our listeners. I was nodding and, you know, mm, and there were so many things that resonated and a couple I want to dig into. And then we'll share a little bit of our King journey and how we know you was when you were talking about this safe container to release and explore this trauma and these emotions, specifically anger, which is something that resonates deeply for me. If there's one thing that anyone takes away from this episode, just one, I want people to understand that kink is all about consensual practices and everything that's done, even if it's a non-consensual scene, it's done on a basis of consensual agreement on both parts. And so when you have that safe container with clear boundaries, clear communications. There's usually, you know, especially if you're out in a club or a public scene, there's monitors, they're called DMs and, you know, other people who are trained in the safety. And so that is a really beautiful part of the kink community that I love so much is that safe container and is that understanding that we are exploring trauma. We are exploring these roles. We are exploring some really deep parts of the human psyche, and that should be done with care. And having that space for that to be done with care has been incredibly healing for me. Yeah. And another basis of kink is that it is structured. And the beautiful part of that is that we're able to create these safe containers in a structured way to achieve healing, to achieve a goal, right? We work together as partners in the kink journey or whoever we're interacting with to dive deep into our subconscious and face the shadows that we are looking to work through at a conscious level. Also too, it's not all like serious inner work and shadow work, right? Like it's fun and it can be and is pleasurable as well and silly. There's a lot of people who their version of kink is like costumes and it's just so diverse and I really love it. And I just love this portion of healing so much. I'm fascinated with the potential. And another thing you said I really want to call out is that the more that you tried this on and the more that you played this role that's now, you know, a part of who you are, being a professional dominatrix, being a professional femdom is what it's called, you felt more and more empowered. And that is the purpose of kink is to empower us, to help us step into that power, step into our light. And it's not something that's super easy to do, right? Like you said, it words were tough for you. It was really uncomfortable at first. And look at you now, all these years later. Absolutely. I think that, as you said, like kink isn't always the shadow work, you know, a lot of that was part of my journey. But a lot of what I do for others is, you know, reclaiming your innocence and allowing yourself to play. I think as adults, you know, we're taught like everything is so serious and you shouldn't be acting like that. You shouldn't be giggling. You shouldn't be dancing around like and I think that kink is a great way to allow that inner child to still play in a safe way. Ugh, we're like over here fighting for who's going to answer to this because we both are having massive thoughts. You know, I love that you use the word play because that's a word that's used in this lifestyle community, kink community, whatever you want to call it, is, you know, playing. And for me, as you know, Tiny Hat and my journey of finding my inner child has been a very playful one. And it's been being a 30-year-old woman going to high-end nightclubs and kink clubs and music festivals and all these things, wearing tiny hats. And it's been very playful for me. And I had lost that part of myself. I had buried my inner child so deeply due to trauma and due to this complete and utter attachment from my spirituality and my consciousness that the kink lifestyle was honestly the birth of that, I feel like, the birth of tiny hat and of this playful embodied inner child version of myself coming out yeah it's 
that structured space of non-judgment and unconditional love that exists within kink allows for our authentic selves to really shine forward. When everybody is out there living their most authentic self, no matter how weird or how dark or how light or intense it may be, everybody there is there from a pure place of just their authentic self, their expression. When we went to Kinkfest, which is this kink festival in Portland, Oregon, there's a time at the end of the festival where everybody can play in the dungeons. And there's these sectioned off areas. And each one was like a window into the soul of the mm. couple or group that is playing there. Each one is unique in their expression of love or intimacy or vulnerability, whatever they may be working through. And it was just amazing to be able to see all of these authentic expressions being shown in this space, completely different from one another, but yet accepted by all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kinkfest is wild. <laughs> yeah. I feel like part of kink is the, the community that, that really called to me was that acceptance, that non-judgment, healthy boundaries, communication, knowing yourself, being able to communicate with others what your boundaries are. For me, you know, playing in that space of sexuality, but not sex has been so empowering and being able to allow myself to play, right? And feel safe. I love so much. Oh, I wish you could, they could see my face right now. I'm like, oh, that's so good. Sexuality does not equal sex all of the time. And we just did a couple of episodes ago and in this love series we're doing this month, we just did this episode on sacred sexuality and, you know, this concept that not all sexuality and intimacy and connection and exploration is sex. Like, that's a part of it. I love that we're kind of breaking that stigma that, you know, kink and this lifestyle is all about sex because there are, you know, tons of people, a large majority of people, I feel like, who engage in, they're called scenes, you know, kink scenes, and there's no sex involved at all. From what I've seen around, not so much kink fest, but it's generally less on the sexual side, unless you're at more of a personal event or kind of like a house party type event. It usually is much more about the scene and what they're attempting to create in that. And so I love so much that you brought that up. I want to talk a little bit more about common misconceptions and some of these things that people may have fears or judgments or reservations on kink. But before we do that, I'd love to share our journey because we've never shared it. <laughs> and I think it's important, you know, this podcast is founded on vulnerability and you are, have been a part of that journey. You've seen some of that journey. And I think you also will have really great insights on these things. Our kink journey started in summer of 2022. So, I mean, in the realm of our lifestyle journey, which is almost five years in now, we're babies in the kink scene. And we kind of stumbled upon it on semi-accident. We had an individual in our life who invited us to a, I don't even want to say circus house party because it's never going to do justice. I know you know what I'm talking about, Autumn. <laughs> It's yeah. an extravaganza and, you know, this mm -hmm. person's kink is the circus. And so they literally build and create, I mean, from carnies walking around with treat baskets to a trampoline to clowns and feet. I mean, the whole nine, like it's a circus, but it's kink themed. And we kind of were just like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what this is. Like, I've heard the word kink. I never went to the kink club in Portland. We just kind of stayed away from that, not because of any negative reason. It just didn't call to us. And I think just like everything in life, right, things come to you when the time is right and when you're ready and when you need it most. And so we went to this house party and immediately we're like, I just, I can't, I have, I have to say the words like, holy fucking shit. What is this <laughs> thing that we know nothing about? And that is like, so exciting and weird and strange and fun and terrifying and I just I want I want more and we went as with all things in our journey and our story sprinted right and just went deep into it and 
for us, our kink journey has been very personal. It's been very intimate. Other than like being in social settings, it hasn't involved others very much. And we've played a lot with using especially impact for somatic body healing. And we've played quite a lot with power dynamics. And the first portion of our journey was very much, you know, I put on the collar because that is what I thought you did, right? Like I'm the woman, he's the man, so I should be the submissive. And we learned really quickly that that didn't resonate for us. It didn't feel authentic for me. I'm a very dominant, independent, strong-willed woman. And Eric very much likes to be cared for and nurtured and was really at that time through, you know, his addiction and everything, kind of seeking that safe container to not be in control and to surrender and submit. And so the femdom scene kind of really became our home for a while. And, you know, it's interesting this last six months being on the road, we obviously can't go to kink clubs anymore. We're not in Portland anymore. And we've kind of lost that community aspect. We have gone in and out of having this dynamic. You know, we go back and forth there. You know, he's the dom. I'm the dom. It's not really as rigid for us anymore but we still really deeply hold and honor the value that this has. And when one of us is either really struggling or really deep in suffering or really deep in processing something, we immediately both go to kink because it's such a beautiful modality. Kink really ties into the concept of sacred sexuality that we've already covered, which is the fact that it is a really dynamic and fluid modality within our relationship that we can use to ground and heal and connect. What's been very empowering for the two of us, you mentioned it briefly during your explanation of our journey through kink, the idea of submission and power dynamics allow for you to really let go and face things that you otherwise wouldn't necessarily have the strength to do on your own. And by giving that power away to somebody that you trust and empowering them to guide you to healing, that gives you the opportunity to really just be present with yourself, be present in your body, and allow them to take the lead and kind of guide you in a direction that maybe you hadn't thought of before to circumvent the ego and the way that it really can take a hold of our minds and make us blind to things that other people may be able to see, especially our romantic and intimate partners. And so for our journey, you know, when I was in the throes of my addiction, a big part of that was an unhealthy relationship with the femdom scene and femdom hypnosis, in which I've talked about it a little bit, but it was very much a, I take your energy and you receive pleasure dynamic. And there was an addiction to that release of the energy. And by transferring that exchange of power to my partner, what I was able to achieve was essentially giving that power away to somebody that I knew had my best interest in their heart and by doing that and by doing that from a place of vulnerability it then created trust in my partner to say oh wow my partner has been struggling with intimacy and now they're making this big step to be vulnerable and submit and trust me and so then that automatically opened your heart and allowed you to really step into the role of healing within yourself. And recently, we've been playing with a different dynamic in which I take the lead and you submit. And there's a lot of healing there because in that, I'm able to then create that container and guide you in a direction that maybe you hadn't seen before. And when we commit to this idea of surrender, and really fully commit to it and let go, magic can happen because you essentially put your ego and your mind out of the driver's seat and you allow your intimate partner to come in and 
guide you to healing. I think that's, that's truly beautiful. And there's something very freeing about being able to trust someone on that level. You know, I think that, you know, giving that kind of submission and allowing someone to guide you that deeply is a beautiful way to strengthen that relationship between your mind, body, and spirit. Not only your connection with the other person, but you get to be present. You get to turn off that anxiety, that ego, right? And you get to just be in the moment and and have that experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll get into more examples in this last section when we talk about using kink to heal and all of these things. I also realized I didn't share how we know each other. And I'm kind of sitting here trying to think back on when we officially formally met. It was really early on in our kink journey. And when we got close, though, was when our spiritual journey became incredibly intense. And the spiritual community in kink, I feel, is pretty small. And having a like-minded, strong-willed, strong, independent woman like you as a friend was really validating and affirming. And I remember when I first saw you, I was like, who is this incredibly intense and powerful, witchy, you know, like erotic, but super dominant woman. It just, it it like confused me and excited me in all these ways of like, I've never seen someone so deeply embody their authentic self and all of those things I just said. And so I don't know if I've ever like expressed that to you, but I wanted to share that with you and share with our listeners, you know, how we kind of know each other. Oh, thank you for those lovely compliments. Yeah. Thanks for receiving them. Well, I would love to dive into, and I I don't have anything particularly in mind. We can just kind of see what is co-created here. But I imagine a lot of people have misconceptions about kink. They have fears about kink. They have judgments. Those are kind of the three words that keep floating to my mind. What do you think are some common ones that you see or hear or have experienced in your professional career with kink and how we can kind of start to rewrite that story? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest fears is that it will be painful, you know, or intense, that, you know, there'll be a lack of boundaries or boundary pushing. You know, a lot of my clients, when they come to see me, they're they're very nervous. They're afraid. They think that they're kind of stepping into my show, right? And And really, I'm there to provide an experience for them. I'm not here to give them my experience. You know, I listen deeply to what they're looking for and how they want to feel and what they want to experience. And I use my intuition to help me guide as well as their reactions to help me guide a safe and positive experience for them. I love so much that you just said, it's not about your experience. It's you're there as a professional. It's your healer. This is a healing modality to help your client, right? This is like a professional exchange work through and or experience or achieve whatever they're needing to achieve. Absolutely. Do you think people are afraid of kink because we have so little information about it out there? Or do you think that it's kind of that subconscious fear of going into these vulnerable states and you know, going into the space where there's really no escaping, right? There's no escaping your emotions, your traumas, your thoughts, your body. You know, so many people live in their mind, live in the world that they they don't spend any of their day in their body. And there's absolutely no way you can go through any type of kink scene or dynamic and, you know, not in some way be connected to your body. There is a lot of like negative stigma surrounding kink and, and sexuality in general. Um, a lot of shame and guilt, generational <laughs> shame and guilt around being sexual and embodying your sexual self, um, being shameful about desires, things that you want, how you feel, how you want to dress, how your body looks. You know, all of these things weigh very heavy on us. And if not in our, our conscious mind, but definitely our subconscious mind, right? It takes a, a courageous step to allow yourself to step into that space and look at that and accept it and overcome it. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. We truly are sexual beings. 
the culture and society that we live in has bred this really deep-rooted shame around sexuality that has hindered us as humanity and really taken us away from our power. Sacred sexuality is the concept that, well, it's the truth that everything is sexual energy. The energy of creation, you know, the energy that courses through life is all that same energy, that kundalini energy that derives from our sexuality. And when we embody it and when we embrace it and dive into it, we're able to have profound healing and profound connection, not only with ourselves, our partners, but with the world in its entirety, with nature, with spirit and God. I mean, you're able to connect on that ethereal plane because that is where the sexual energy exists. And when we stop denying it and have the courage to face it, and the honesty with ourselves to say, hey, we are sexual beings. Why don't we remove the shame and start looking at how we can harness this energy for deeper connection and love? Mm. Yeah, it's so good. That is the perfect segue into this last section we want to touch on here, which is using kink to heal, using kink to heal trauma, somatic body work, energy release, connecting to your body, connecting to your divine masculine and feminine, connecting to and or exploring and healing your sexuality, your relationship with yourself. The list goes on and on. And I would love if you could share a little bit about that holistically. Like, how does that work? How do we use kink to heal? How do we use kink as an intentional modality to dive into these topics? As I stated before, being a Reiki practitioner and a body worker, I feel that being a professional dominatrix is the same language and a different tone. You know, when I use kink as a modality of healing, that can look, you know, so many different ways. But some good examples are like, you know, using rhythmic flogging to kind of disperse energy through the body and put you in a trance-like state. Um, using rituals to help set intention, call forth a, a certain part of yourself that you want to explore. And also, you know, using that ritual to close the book so that you don't leave in a vulnerable state. You know, allowing yourself to, to play and heal, as we mentioned, using breath work and breathing. Intentional pain can also be a form of healing for some people, pushing yourself beyond a limit that you thought was possible, having a healthy outcome on the other side of that with aftercare and boundaries that you place to make yourself feel safe. So it can be very relaxing if you're, you know, in a more sensual state using energy work and heat and cold and sensations to kind of be in your body and connect with that part of yourself. It's very familiar to us who are part of the King community, but could you go a little bit into detail about what a scene is and how you create a scene with your clients to really work with them and heal whatever it is they're trying to address? A kink scene is a planned experience that is negotiated between individuals. It could be two individuals, it could be several individuals planning an activity um, with some sort of outcome or sensation or, or thing, you know, that you're trying to achieve. For a lot of my clients, they come with a bit of curiosity. And so, you know, we always sit down to negotiate our scene or our, our session, you could call it, and plan of, you know, what you want to experience, how you want to feel, what boundaries are, physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, and leading them in that experience and allowing their reactions to, to guide the experience. And, and when you negotiate a scene, you know, it's, it's all about consent and boundaries and also being able to stop that at any time, knowing, you know, you know, feeling that maybe you changed your mind, that's always okay. One thing that's really empowering about kink is boundary setting. Scene can be in a professional setting, 
It can also be in a club, right? Or a party where it's more casual and some people that have, you know, know each other or have just met even can negotiate and talk about what they're looking for and what they want to do and what their boundaries are to Mm -hmm. have that experience. Yeah, I think two things. One thing we haven't even mentioned that I absolutely has to exist in this conversation is having a safe word. You know, you were talking about that process of you can change your mind at any time. And what people don't realize is though you or what people may often misconstrue about kink is though you may be in the submissive role and giving your, you know, um, submission to whoever who or whomever is dominating you, there is always a safe word and that is immediate and complete stop. It's kind of like you hear a lot topping from the bottom is kind of always there because there's always that opportunity to use your safe word as the submissive and end what's happening immediately if for any reason it has changed. And then there's also aftercare, which you mentioned briefly, which is pre-discussed what are you going to want and need after the session? You know, I've seen a lot of blankets, snuggling, chocolate is a big one. We definitely love our chocolate. That looks different for, you know, it might be someone's favorite stuffed animal. It may be complete silence. It may be water. Everyone has, they may need to use a restroom. Everyone has their own type of aftercare and it's different for every scene. And so, you know, those are two really important aspects as well of negotiating a scene. Another thing looking at here is kind of using kink to to heal trauma specifically, because that has very much been our journey. And I'd love to give a few examples and, you know, you can share your thoughts on those and give other examples you have either personally or clients, whatever you feel most comfortable with. For us, I've heard a lot of people talk about I was, you know, physically abused as a child. And so I recreated that scene where I'm in control and it's now done in a way, you know, that is enjoyable or people with religious trauma will create religious scenes or people with sexual assault trauma will create scenes around that. And so we very intentionally used our scenes, if you will, for a lot more kind of mental and that type of like emotional and mental trauma. And what I mean by that is we would do something really interesting where whoever was in the dom role, the sub would be laying down. We've done this both ways. And we would kind of work through a very intense verbal and impact scene where, you know, for example, if like I was in the dom role, I would say, you know, have him talk about like what emotions were coming up and it was usually shame and we would use our you know verbal talking and impact to release that shame and you know like have him say it and then say like is is that true is that in line with your highest self do you believe that I feel that way about you and just really working through it and then using the physical release of impact you know in pretty intense sessions to let that shit out because it's not serving us and vice versa. You know, I, we did a really intense scene around a lot of things that one of my parents said to me growing up, really deep, impactful, you know, verbally abusive things to me. And so we're in the scene and I was just like, you know, I wish I was never born and and things like this and, you know, that I'm a mistake and all of these limiting beliefs I was harnessing and then using impact to release that and having my, you know, at that time, him, my dom, you know, reinforce this, this love and this safety. And those were really profound sessions for us. Another way that we did this was like Eric had mentioned, and I only learned of this, you know, within the last year or so when everything happened, but through his addiction, he, from a very young age, I mean, how old were you when it started? I was in fourth grade. The femdom stuff? Oh, no, no, no. That would have been uh, end of high school. Yeah. So, I mean, underage, like, you know, 16, 17, when he started consuming this and he had no clue what this was till we entered the kink scene, which again was super healing because it gave this context and this understanding to this thing that he had so much shame around. 
but he started consuming that femdom porn and we were able to create that scene together where I actually put headphones on him and talked into this mic that I'm using now and created that scene for him and did it from a place of love and service and the sternness that I have but also that caring nurturing part of me that I have when I'm in the dom role for Eric and so that was incredibly healing. I'd love to hear your thoughts on on these types of scenes, but what I really want to drive home for listeners is imagine taking your most painful moments of your life, your most traumatic moments of your life, and choosing to rewrite them where you're in control with the person you trust the most in a loving and pleasurable way. And I feel like that is ultimately what using kink to heal trauma is. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all that. What a beautiful, what a beautiful way of healing and connecting with each other. I I definitely use those mantras and that impact to help heal my clients as well. Um, I do a lot of mirror work as well. You know, people have a lot of shame around their body. I sometimes will secure them in a way that they have to sit in front of a mirror and say a mantra, a loving mantra to themselves, really shout it to themselves to feel it. And it's very powerful. I have them um, also write it down. And, you know, that's a way of, you know, connecting that mind, body and spirit and really moving that energy out in a healing way. Mm. I'm actually getting some tears in my eyes because that is That's beautiful to have that safe container with your clients to restrain them voluntarily, you know, consensually in front of a mirror and have them repeat positive affirmations. And that's really beautiful. I love that so much. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Another way I think kink can be used, and I would love to hear your perspective on this because this has been huge for you, is connecting to your divine masculine and or divine feminine, you know, really embodying and stepping into that energy, which has been a huge part of our journey. Yeah, and I'd love to get right into that. Something that I really appreciate you bringing up was our sessions because you hit the nail on the head there. These controlled sessions where we really go back into either a core trauma or a core state of being and rewrite them is exactly how kink can be utilized for healing. For me, it was shame at the core of the addiction. And embodying that shame within us, really what that is, is our mind beating us up and torturing us. When we create a scene with our loved one where they can then use physical impact to transmute that shame and give it an outlet, right? Because when we have that shame in our brains, it has nowhere to go. It just circles around and circles around and circles around because we won't ever release that attachment to that shame unless we are consciously aware of it and make that decision for ourselves. When we are in a scene and we allow our partner to somatically release it, like you said, we're giving it an outlet. You feel that emotion to its highest extent and then receive that impact and the pain of that impact. You're able to move the energy, that shameful energy out of your body into that sensation and transmute it into love and light. And There's just something beautiful about that. Another misconception about kink and this word of domination that comes forth is this idea of, oh, I'm going to be dominated in this aggressive and visceral way. When in reality, domination can be a very loving and tender and caring thing. Yeah. And that comes right back into the point that I was making about divine masculine, divine feminine, right? I I use those words because those are the words we have to describe, you know, insert whatever applies for each listener. But we both were very out of whack in that and not in tune with our, you know, inherent masculine and or feminine energy. And for me, stepping into that femdom role was like the ultimate freedom, just like you said earlier, Autumn, of empowerment and being in this space, I found 
really quickly, I thought I was going to be a really aggressive and angry dom because I had so much trauma around men and physical abuse and sexual abuse and emotional abuse and all of these things. And lo and behold, and it may just be that it's with this person, I am an incredibly sensual, caring and nurturing femdom and and very like kind and gentle and you know for you it was a huge thing to step into the masculine to step into the dominant role yeah i mean the divine masculine and feminine aspects of ourself tend to be unbalanced and so when we take inventory within our spiritual self and say you know where where am i leaning kink gives you the ability to embody that aspect of yourself that you may be neglecting. For me, it was my feminine at the beginning. I was not feeling my emotions. I was not in a place of vulnerability. And so when I dove into that feminine aspect of myself, allowing you to take the dominant role, what it allowed me to do was move the energy that was stagnant within myself and heal that that aspect to really truly feel my emotions and also give you a safe place and space to play in your masculine. And then turning the tables, stepping into the divine masculine role of being a dominant for you, it's also a very caring and nurturing role, right? You, when somebody submits themselves and that power dynamic, there's this level of trust they're giving you. It's like they're giving you their authentic self and their heart, and you then have the ability to care for and hold them, which, Autumn, I'm sure that's been your role in how you interact with your clients as they come to you with this trust and needing help and guidance. Absolutely. And Going back to what Amaris mentioned about, you know, stepping into that dominant role and feeling like so much anger surrounding, you know, abuse and trauma, as I was discovering my own voice as a femdom, I started out with experimentation and the release of that anger. And it transformed me and helped me embody that nurturing, healing side of me. And and that's what I now bring into my practice with my clients. You know, my natural tone is definitely that nurturing, caring role. It feels so empowering to be able to be free from that hatred, that anger, you know, that I was harnessing within mm-hmm. and kink really helped, help me embody something beautiful. So beautiful. I love that. So bringing it full circle here, this has probably been, you know, an information overload and maybe really overwhelming for some of our listeners who are brand new to kink and all that it has to offer, which is far too vast for an hour-long podcast episode, how do you recommend people enter this scene or start to research? Do you have, you know, preferred resources? Where can people go to kind of start dabbling their toes or even just educating themselves more about what kink is and how they can incorporate this into their life if it feels aligned for them? I think a great way to get involved in the community, I think sex clubs can be a little overwhelming, um, stepping your first toe into the water there. FetLife is a great platform, social platform for kink and events and a lot of other things, but I mainly use it for events. And there are munches where you can meet like people from the kink community in a non-sexual atmosphere and start connecting. And then maybe from there going to an event or a party. You know, I recently started hosting some parties of my own in non-sexual places, not a sex club, but a, a regular bar or event hall where I fuse art, kink, and party together where it's like sexy and sexual, but there's not sex. And I think that that is a great segue for people, you know, events such as that 
to not feel overwhelmed walking into a club where there may be a lot of intense activity going on around you. And also when you go to an event such as that, knowing some people and knowing what to expect, maybe classes as well. You can find those on FetLife, um, education about consent and etiquette. They're all out there in the community as resources for people to begin to explore that side of themselves. I love that. There's also really great books out there. You can, you know, Google is it has tons of great resources. I love that you mentioned FetLife. It's a really great platform for connection and education and events and exploration as well. If there's something that you're interested in, you know, you can type in that word, you can you can learn more, you can see other posts about that. You know, we had the opportunity to go to one of speaking of your events. We went to I think your first event that you put on with it's DNA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your first Me DNA. And, um, Mistress Domasina DNA events. Yeah. DNA <laughs> events. Right before we left Portland, it was for your birthday. And mm. I loved how curated it was and that it was very kinky and sexy and fun and not that really overwhelming atmosphere of, you know, a traditional kink or sex club where there's a lot of things going on and there's definitely, you know, sex happening and you also infuse that art, which is just beautiful. I have not really seen many people, to be honest, other than you doing that, trying to bring in art into kink and bring in this more spiritual aspect. You had like a tarot reader and it was just so fun. Please tell us how our listeners can connect with you. Maybe they're interested in learning more, doing a session with you. What are the best ways that people can connect with you? My website is goddessautumn.com. That's a great way to get up to date on the events that are coming at Kinkfest doing massage. You can follow me on Instagram. There is a link to that from my website, goddessautumn.com. I'm happy to always give a warm welcome to any new people in the community when I see you out and about. So please say hello. (laughs) I love that. One last question before we close this out here. What is your favorite thing about kink and or preferably and What is one thing that you want people to walk away from this episode with about kink? My favorite thing about kink is the power that it has to free us from crippling guilt and shame. And the one thing that I'd love for listeners today to walk away from is a new outlook on how kink can be healing instead of scary and painful. It can be beautiful and opening and nurturing and welcoming. Mm, I love it. You said that so well. I am so grateful that you were here with us today. We both love you so much. You are such a wonderful example of an embodied and loving and kind professional dominatrix and all of these other things and just i'm so grateful to know you i'm so grateful for the service that you provide to people and for coming on here and helping us introduce this topic to our sphere and our audience that may not have heard of this before so thank you so much for being here we love you so much and you know listeners definitely check out goddessautumn.com do some research and really start to, you know, sit with yourself, pray, meditate, journal, whatever you do to start asking yourself, what do I want? What is that like deep, dark fantasy that I'm afraid to tell anyone about? Because you can have that. You can have it in a safe container or how could this benefit me in my healing journey? You know, I'm I'm ready to step into my power or I'm, I'm maybe ready to, you know, step out of my power for a little bit and use that as a healing mode. So I would just really encourage listeners to sit with how you can make this work for you and, you know, thank you again so much for being here and we will see you all soon.